It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Ajit. In today's episode, we have a celebrity guest, if I may call him that, Jack from the famous Cricket Podcast. Hello, Jack. Welcome to the ACP. Thanks very much, Ajit. Thanks for, for having me. I, I don't think I've ever been introduced as a celebrity before, but I'll, I'll take it. Fair enough. I mean... You heard it here first, right? So, <laughs> on your way up, I hope you remember it. <laughs> Will do, yeah, for sure. All right. How have you been doing? Yeah, I've been really good. Um, I, I'm obviously loving the Ashes, the hundreds underway. I've watched a bit of that. It's, it's quite therapeutic after an intense series like the Ashes to tune into some uh, less intense cricket, some some domestic stuff. So, yeah, been having a good time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Perfect. So Ashes is already in your rearview mirror. It's been only a couple of days. You're still not living the game, the the way England finished on the last day. Uh, to to some extent, yeah. Um, I I I think I said this on our show. I I, I stand by it. I think it was the best series that I can remember as a cricket fan. I think it had everything that you would want, barring maybe a decider. And I'm <laughs> I'm sure we'll we'll get to that and 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 talk about sort of what it means and who was the better team and so on. But I, I think yeah, what what more can you want from a cricket series? Mm-hmm. Uh, a test test match series, four incredibly close games, um, kind of a frustrating rain off, some brilliant individual performances. Um, two completely different styles of cricket. It will live certainly long in the memory. Uh, but also, it, it, in a way, uh, it's it's almost a relief to to de-stress and mm. to to think about life without the ashes um, as the as the main talking point as the as the main focus. 
fair enough look i had predicted it to all and before the series started that is and i was actually disappointed to see it to all the way the way they came back england deserved to win the series and um, i think they were robbed you know i wasn't it old trafford where it rained off and i feel it should have been their game and i i dare say had the game gone on they would have found a way to win that game yeah yeah i think you're you're probably right um on the other hand the two matches they did win australia had a lot of chances to win those games so there there was the possibility that the australia they got chris wokes out at headingly mm-hmm. or steve smith didn't edge edge wokes <laughs> again to, to second slip and um completed what should have been quite an easy victory i think at one point at, after tea on day five at the oval so mm. look it could have gone both ways um and that i think was the magic of the series really it, it was that you know not only were the matches so close but each day's play seemed to go from one team being in control to the other team being in control and then at the end of the day you were saying well who's going to win this match we've got no idea it's a complete 50-50 and uh I, 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 yeah i'll say it again I, I can't remember something anything like it in in test match cricket and um mm. uh I, I, I bring on the next one in a way you know <laughs> absolutely no look i mean if you go back to the last day i mean emotions riding high broad having uh, declared his innings closed previous evening and more or less certain ali would not continue on right so a lot of emotions do you think in the england dressing room oh i think without a doubt um i think i think it was written in a way wasn't it that broad would be the man that came back and took the the two final wickets um just as i don't know maybe england were getting a little bit nervous at that that Todd Murphy Alex Carey partnership that he would come on mm. um I think he said he said uh, after the match that he, he, do you remember he swapped the bales over yes, before yes. his final delivery of the over that he got he got Todd Murphy out on yeah he thought that was going to be his last ball ever in test match cricket Ben Stokes had told him mm. that uh Mark Wood was going to come on re- and replace him the next over so he thought he'd do that as a kind of jokey sign off i think and uh he picks up the wicket then next over he gets carry it was a magical spell mm. uh at the other end slightly more at the other end you had mo and ali twirling away and he picked up massive massive wickets with um steve smith and mitch marsh and then pat cummins uh falling in reasonably quick succession in that mad half an hour uh i think it i think it, you're right it was partly fueled by emotion mm. um it was it was to really incredibly influential players over the last decade in in test match cricket one of them in in mo and ali the the most liked one of the most liked players in the english game certainly in the recent english game mm-hmm. and then the other the the kind of pantomime villain <laughs> uh, and without a doubt a, a genuine great of english cricket stuart broad uh being the guys who who brought it home um you, you like you, you genuinely couldn't have framed it any better uh and it, and it kind of you know it's, it's sort of funny in a way it also relegates chris wokes mm-hmm. um who who was the player of the series to to a secondary role and and, and that that's a role that he'll or that he has occupied um frequently for england over the last half a decade five years maybe a bit longer mm-hmm. um but yeah, raw emotion and the crowd going ballistic and uh, the beautiful send-off and the sunset over the oval, which is mm-hmm. the iconic ground, one of the iconic grounds of English cricket, probably the most beautiful ground in English cricket. Um, yeah, you couldn't really have asked for much more, I don't think. 
uh, in, in 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 terms of what happened after tea, from an English point of view, I, mean, I think if you're an Australian, you'd have probably asked for uh, another fifty runs. But um, sitting here as an Englishman, I, th- I thought it was a fantastic ending to a great series. I totally agree. It was unfortunate that you know Australia ended up losing, but you're right in as much that after that start that they had to the second innings, the way Khwaja and uh, Warner had started, I thought Warner was also looking for a last over in England of his own, potentially, even maybe Khwaja, because it's highly unlikely either of them will come back to tour England again. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're talking about the England guys signing off there, and um, I, I was probably being a little bit biased and and framing it from the point of view of the victor. And, and they say history is written by the victor, don't they? And I think certainly for that test match, that is true. And that's that's how a lot of the rest of the Ashes series will be framed, certainly by the English anyway. But from the Australian point of view, it's it's not just Kawaja and Warner that won't come back. Uh, Mitchell Stark probably won't, won't, mm. won't return. Mm. Um, probably won't see Hazelwood. Yeah. Cummins will be 34 the next time they, they come back to England. I think Steve Smith will be in his late 30s. Obviously, he's a genius, so I expect him mm. to, to come back, but um, he, he won't be a young man. Um, Travis Head will be the the wrong side of 30 Mitch Marsh don't see him coming back again um this was a this was a moment for that Australia team this was a moment and and after tea they were the favorites to win the match um that that would have defined careers this would have been this would have been the legacy Mm -hmm. that they created for a great Australian test team they came to England they beat India in the world test championship final they they take home a trophy there um they go 2-0 up few jitters in the the third and the fourth match if they had taken it home when when smith and head looked so good um mm-hmm. or or warner and kawaja mm-hmm. early earlier in in the day and on on day 4 they would have been talked about as as a a brilliant generation of australian cricketers now i think the legacy will be framed slightly differently and they'll they'll probably be the nearly men in a way as well as they played and kawaja himself was at pains to talk about how this is an Australian side that has won two Ashes in a row and retained the the Ashes two other times, and so for what's that, twelve years mm-hmm. have have held the urn, which is a, a pretty fantastic achievement in in a in a, in a historic rivalry. Mm-hmm. But because they couldn't quite do it in this oval Test match, there there'll always be question marks. I think, and <laughs> um, I, 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 that that is. That's the that's the greatness of Test cricket, I think, in in, in a way that that it, it's this constantly unfolding story, the never ending novel. Mm-hmm. And um, for, for these guys, or for this for this chapter of Australian cricket, it probably will end with um, a slightly bittersweet tinge. Yep, another great who might never turn up for Australia in England, Nathan Leon. Yeah, and what a sad way for him to go out. Yeah. Um, to to be honest, mm-hmm. um, interesting that that it was in a in, in a win for Australia, and that <laughs> he, he in a way he in a way did his bit with the bat, didn't he? Coming yeah, out, yeah, yeah. Um, as a you know to play a brave inning. So I, I I believe he talked about how his wife and him had the discussion, and his wife called him a called him an idiot for saying that he would go out and bat and, and then he did it um so he, he probably lost a few brownie points in in the domestic relationship oh, but uh, that's, be the kind of cricketer. <laughs> that's the kind of cricketer he is mm. um mm. and uh, I, I think the series lost something for him not being there he's he's been a tormentor for england for 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 many years i mean at and, leeds um, i think he would have eaten england up they were lucky he wasn't there exactly 
Exactly. Who's to say which way the series would have gone had they had um, a bowler that, that Pat Cummins was more comfortable throwing the ball to? It was very obvious at Leeds that he he didn't fancy mm. um, Murphy. Uh, Todd Murphy. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that he, he was a bit nervous to bowl him. I, I don't think that would have been the case with Lyon and, and maybe he'd have got the breakthrough that they needed. Absolutely. So that's one thing. I mean, if you look at the scorecard overall, like first of all, Chris Vokes bit late in the day but coming into his own given that now there's going to be no more broad in the lineup Anderson well we'll get to Anderson shortly but let's first talk about works I thought he's more or less resigned to playing at home from now on but what a way to show that he's ready to take the mantle of maybe the second best bowler in the 11 maybe he's has he leapfrogged uh Ali uh Robinson. Robinson. Oh, God. So I've even forgotten his name. It's just two tests. <laughs> All right. Tell me. Um, I, I think at home. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I would agree with that. And I think I think there's a little window now where Wokes will be a very important player for, for England. I mean, he's not a young man himself. I think he's 33. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, way, the, the way players keep themselves in shape, he's probably got two to four more years mm-hmm. in, the, in the tank. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd... he'd He'd be the same age as Broad is now in the next Ashes, and yeah. you know, would you bet? Would you bet against him uh, coming out one more time for a home Ashes? Um, I, I I agree with you that he is limited, and that he will always be more effective in in England, and mm. probably isn't ever going to be the great tourist. Yeah, uh, but you, you look across England's next away tours. Well, there's five matches in India. Um, I think they can find someone to to bowl his overs there. Probably a spinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then is it is it is it Pakistan and New Zealand the next two tours? It might not be New Zealand. I think it's Pakistan. Maybe it's South Pakistan Africa. for sure. And okay, um, also South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the in the in the next cycle, yeah. You know, I, I I think again in Pakistan, England will look at other options, and and um, they've got they've got players that will probably be better suited for that uh, I, I, and I don't think that's a bad thing I don't think in in modern test cricket having home specialists is necessarily a problem um, you look at Aksha Patel for India for example or maybe to a lesser extent, extent Scott Boland for Australia mm-hmm. guys who are world beaters at home that you you might not want to throw the ball to in in adverse away conditions and um mm. Does that mean they don't have a role in the squad? Absolutely not. And I, I think, you know, good for Chris Wokes that he's proved once again that he's a great, he's a warrior at home. And uh, I, 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 for one, look forward to, to seeing him again next summer um, against the West Indies in Sri Lanka. You know, I'm just thinking somebody like him might not be a bad pick while going to the subcontinent. I mean, the, then comes the question really of Anderson, right? Do you see Anderson touring again for England? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I think if it's a choice in a weird way between Anderson and Wokes for, for the subcontinent, and let's mm-hmm. throw Robinson in there as well. Mm-hmm. I think that Anderson has a little bit more to his game in those conditions in that he has the capacity and the patience to bowl dry and to hold up an end mm-hmm. and to, you know, bowl spells with a, a slightly old ball, actually to give the spinners a rest sometimes. Right. That, don't go for many runs. And I think Robinson has that as well. They're, they're both, well, Robinson, that that's really his trick mm. is that he is an exceptional line and length bowler. And that isn't necessarily a, a bad thing in the subcontinent, I don't think. We also saw Robinson get a little bit of reverse swing in Pakistan, which is um, 
a nice string to his bow. Yes. Wokes, I think, is is more of a pure English seam bowler. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see his game transferring as well. And I think his batting might be slightly limited as in 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 um Indian conditions. Mm. So I, I don't I don't think that England will go with him for India. Um and, and England actually, you know, in in the, the Basma Cullum era anyway, mm-hmm. have shown that they're very prepared to be flexible in terms of their bowling attack in away conditions. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if Wokes will see himself as the victim of that selection policy. <laughs> um, he he, pro- he will probably understand it, to be honest, and maybe he'll, in a way, be relieved that he doesn't have to go on a five-test tour of India. But um, I, I, I do think that's the way that, that they'll, England will go. They'll go away from Wokes for five matches, and then we'll see him return to the team for, for the uh, English summer, which is... Well, eleven months away now, which is is slightly ridiculous when you put it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. See, I was also thinking it's happened that greats have inspired each other to retire at the same time. At least in Australia, it has mm-hmm. happened multiple times. I was also thinking maybe Anderson may decide to call time, but he's been saying the same thing throughout. I'm happy to see he's stuck to his uh, his guns. He says at the end of the series, I'm going to go back and then take a call. I'm not in a hurry, and I like that. I, I I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if conversations have had been had between Anderson and the the England selectors and mm-hmm. the captain and the the management, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the conversation went something along the lines of, "Don't worry about the the summer that you've just had, Jimmy. We know that we know what you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what your skills are. We still want you around." Um, and actually, I wonder in this case whether broad retiring means that Anderson is even more important. Uh-huh. If they both go at once, mm-hmm. that is a big gap to fill. Correct. Um, if there's if there's one of them still about, even in a, in a limited capacity, mm. uh, that that that's that's a player that other players can learn from. And I, I think, no disrespect to these two teams, but I, I do think next summer, Pakistan, uh, not Pakistan, Sri Lanka and and West Indies will pre- present a less challenge, challenging opponent for, for Anderson. Mm, mm. And I think with 700 wickets just around the corner and potentially mm-hmm. Shane Warne on the horizon. 710. I, yeah, I, I think, I think he, he might fancy one more go at that. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, you know, would would you begrudge him that that chance? A man with nearly seven hundred wickets, the probably the greatest English seam bowler ever. Maybe, well, probably the greatest English bowler ever. Maybe England's greatest ever Test cricketer. Look, I would you would you rush him out the door? No, um, with with what's on the agenda for next summer on the table. Look, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. But I don't want England to arrange a, you know, a, a Tendulkar style. Um, farewell series for him either i mean that's that's the only thing i <laughs> i think um i think that is a fair point and i think this is where anderson needs to be honest with himself as well exactly he needs to, he he's the one that will know hmm. whether he didn't take wickets this year because he was unlucky or because he was against bowlers that matched uh, batters that matched up well against him hmm. or because the pitches didn't suit him and that if any of those things change, if his luck turns or the pitches are easier or the, the batters that he's facing are 
you know, less competent against the swinging ball, mm. then he, if he thinks that he can come back into it and, and he can be a threat, yeah. then, you know, England should trust his call. If, if he knows in his heart of hearts that the reason he didn't take wickets is because he's lost, they call it a little bit of nip, don't they? Mm. He's lost a little bit of nip. Mm. Mm. Then, then he should, he should do the honorable thing. But I, I believe at this point in time, the, the ball should be in his court. Not totally. There is no doubt in my mind that uh, he's earned the right to pick and choose when he goes out into the sun or sunset. So, yeah, I agree with what he's saying. Uh, I also expect he's ha- he's a very mature person. I mean, he does show that on the field as well. And uh, you won't want to begrudge such a person any silly, you know, there is no, there is no stay out, there's no other way sort of stuff. So I would expect he will have a chance to make his own mind up and knowing him i somehow think he'll not pick to go out just to chase a record so but yeah we'll see how he goes through the winter right and based on that you can take that call so yeah i'm going to wait it out as well yeah makes sense there's another there's another element to this as well mm. um it, it's a risk it is a risk for england to keep anderson around for another year i think that's undoubtable mm. um he will be 41 going on 42 next yeah. summer but there is there is also a risk that they ask a bowler that would potentially be their best bowler to retire early mm. if they if they push him push him out the door, and that risk, as we touched upon, is exacerbated by Broad retiring. I think, mm-hmm. um, and there's a risk by doing that 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 instead of having two reliable bowlers mm. for next summer. Mm. In a in a World Test Championship cycle where they'll still think they have a chance of making the the final for whatever that's worth, there is a risk that they go into next summer with no dependable bowlers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a uh, with with Ollie Robinson and his injury record, and no Broad and no Anderson and Chris Wokes maybe not having played a Test match for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I I think I think you have to bear that in mind too, if you're a, if you're an England selector or an England fan, or or if you're someone who just thinks he's old and should leave. Hmm. Um, I, I think there is more. No, to this. come on, come on. There's no room for he's old. He should leave. He's old. He should leave because he's not performing. Makes more sense, right? And he's one of the fittest guys out there. I mean, come on. He's he's a quite a role model that way. So okay, all right. Let's see if uh, yeah, let's see how it goes with the Anderson saga. But you know. Nice to actually hear your thoughts because also I, if you look at the biggest gainers on both sides, you see Joe Root sort of stamping his authority again. Johnny Bairstow, who's come back with such a lot of criticism he's faced and come back in the last two tests to prove his point. Stuart Broad all the time lurking around the corner, always a threat, right? Mark Wood and Chris Fox really their infusion changed the series for England, right? So for me, one of the biggest gainers sort of in a very quiet way was Zach Crawley. Oh, no, not even in a quiet way. Mm. I mean, Zach Crawley came into the, into the series as um, historically speaking, the worst opening batter of all time. (laughs) Um, And he leaves the series as, you know, and and this is, this is hyperbolic, but people have been saying this, Mm. the closest thing that modern cricket has to Verinda Sawag. Yeah. Um that's wow. that's quite the transformation in oh, six yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. That is that's that's an incredible transformation. You don't get compared and, to um, Sehwag every day. Man, that's that's quite something. Ex- yeah. 
exactly and but people have been uh, look i think it's probably a little bit over the top and he probably had a a, a, a run of form and um inarguably he was a little bit lucky in some of those innings mm. but there's no denying now that we can all see the vision behind zach crawley yeah because we just saw it for five test matches mm. and um let's not beat around the bush here he destroyed australia yeah um he had he had moments where they they could not bowl to him okay uh, they had, he had plenty of other moments where they knew exactly how to bowl to him don't get me wrong but mm-hmm. uh when he when he was when he was firing he was he was an incredible threat um so yeah, massive winner, massive winner, Zach Crawley, and uh, I, I think he's bought himself a lot more rope from an England point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect to see him round for for quite a long time to come. I mean, I expect him to be successful as well. You know, somewhat. I think if you perform in the Ashes series, I think it changes you as a player, especially if you are from England. I think to go out there, prove yourself against Australia, gives you a whole new lease of life and belief and he's done that he's done that very good and you also see what you said right what was the whole point of having this guy in the 11 you see it now and uh yeah nice to see actually i sort of backed him from the outset he's still young enough he has a decade to offer to england if they'll have him and his average is headed the right way his attitude is always excellent so you can now forget talking about that one double hundred that always defined his career i guess Oh, I mean, uh, the, I mean, the other thing with Crawley, he was unlucky in a way that the Old Trafford test was rained off. Otherwise, hmm. he would have been a serious shout for man of the series. Correct. And, and that's Correct. that's no exaggeration. He played he played the innings in the series, which had the most impact on the likely outcome of the game. And then it rained. Absolutely. I mean, um, that, that's, 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 that is unfortunate for him. Yes. But we all saw it. We can now all see and we all know that it that it happened and he knows it happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, t- you talk about average. I think his average now is up to 31.5, yeah. which puts him slightly ahead of the, re- realistically, the other England opening batting candidates, Rory Burns and Dom Sibley and all of the other guys that they tried. Mm-hmm. None of them averaged more than 31.5. So you might as well have the guy that you know has 189 of 188 balls in his locker. Correct. Um, it's, Correct. It's, um, I think it breaks down like that. And not only that, see, uh, if he can perform even, I won't say half as good as this, because there's always more to be done. But if he can approach this in his performance, one innings like that every series, I mean, that then you are talking Sehwag, right? One defining oh, yeah. innings of the series. I mean, there are very few people like Sehwag. I mean, for me, he's always been special. I actually, one of the people I thought who played the most impactful cricket in that era, in that team. He, between him and Zahir Khan, I think, and Lakshman to an extent, were the people who took India to number one in tests before they retired, that is, right? So I have a lot of time for somebody like him and maybe he's headed in the right way, right? Yeah, look, hopefully. I mean, like, I, just to be clear, I, mean, I don't think he's as good as Sawag, but mm. a, a player in the mould of. Fair enough. And Fair enough. Um, there is, there is, I think... I think there's always room in, in a team like England for a player in the mould of Saywag. Absolutely. I mean, look, your opener, much like your fast bowling opener in most cases, is also an attacker. He's potentially also one of your best batsmen. So why not? Right? It makes sense. All right. Uh, that was that. And then any parting thoughts? On the Ashes in general? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think... Um, 
I, I, I just sort of want to do it all again, in a way. <laughs> I, I think um, there's a lot of people in England who are sort of disappointed that we've still got a whole month, month and a half of the summer to go and there's no test cricket to to, to play now. Oh, yeah. And that, that things have sort of wrapped up soon. And there are reasons for that. And the reason for that isn't the 100, yeah, yeah. Um, as, as, as some people would have you believe. But it does, it does feel like it's come to an end a little bit soon. And um, that's a shame. And I, I think the other thing I'd, I'd say is that um, there's there's a lot of credit that is due to Australia um, in in this series. Absolutely. I, I I I genuinely think that virtually every other team in in world cricket, with the potential exception of India, when they get it right, a, a fully fit India, you know, let's say Boomer was was fit right now, and and India were over with him. Mm. I think every team besides them and maybe even India would, would have been blown away over the, those five tests. And um, I think there's an immense amount of credit that has to go to the Australians for hanging with England when they were try when they were tearing away at multiple times through the series and they, they kept taking wickets. And uh, when it came to the batting, they kept putting, putting totals up mm-hmm. and um, that's, that's really to be commended. And I, I think, I think the ret- retention that they pulled off, yeah, it was rain assisted. And I-, I think I would say that England were the better team overall. But, you know, cricket isn't always fair. Test cricket isn't always fair in, in terms of the results it produ- produces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the fact that England probably were better actually diminishes the achievement of the Australians in retaining the Ashes. I think that was a that was about as hard a series as they could have played and to, to win two test matches and to be in, in a position to nearly win the decider or the, the one that would have given them the outright win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that they're, they're, they're a champion team as well. And um, we, we shouldn't forget that. Absolutely. I mean, happy to see an Englishman giving credit to the Aussies, but I mean, I'm teasing you, but that was what I was going towards as well. I mean, I thought Australia <laughs> played a wonderful brand of cricket and, you could think, you know, this generation of cricketers, the Aussie cricketers, they have probably, they could have done with this win because it would have won, been one for the ages. Because I don't think beating this England at home is going to be that easy. If England can play with the same attitude, that's going to be quite something in the coming years as well. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever not looked forward to the English summer, but I'm going to look forward to it that much more every time. As long as... Yeah, absolutely. Right? All right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, if you were to quickly go on to the West Indies India series, well, there were two ODIs and the first T20I in the meantime. And uh, well, first of all, shall we say West Indies caught India cold in that second ODI, where uh, India were suddenly, but you know, bowled out for 181. And first of all, it looked like they were unwilling to bat Rohit Sharma and Kohli, though they were chosen in the first ODI, so they sort of kept promoting everyone else ahead of this indian uh, of their those two batters and second uh, and the third odi they were rightly rested so if you want to see which way india is heading western indies uh, whether playing at home or away is as good as an opportunity to check that would you feel the same um yeah i i i, I sort of think that but at the same time i do hmm. if i if i was being critical of india um I, I kind of would ask what they're hoping to achieve from this series. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a World Cup soon, right? And I, I know that this West Indies team aren't at the World Cup, but that that's more a product of a 
a bad format for the World Cup, I think, that it is the the West Indies not necessarily deserving to be there. The West, West Indies have got plenty of good players. Right. What I would kind of ask with, you know, if, if I was in the room with an Indian selector or the Indian think tank is, hmm. would you not want to use these matches from a batting point of view? I totally get resting bowlers. I, I understand that there's a heavy workload and um, a lot of them were involved in the test series as well. Thinking Siraj here particularly, yeah. uh, and obviously Boomer just coming back from injury, and you kind of know what Shami's going to bring, don't you? So it's you know, those guys totally understand them not playing mm-hmm. with the batting. Would would you not at this point in time, as a as a an Indian leader in in the cricket terms, mm-hmm. would you not want to be playing near to your World Cup top seven to see? how they fit together to 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 define roles a little bit better. I mean I'm looking at the the lineup for the the second ODI here. You Kishan Gill, Samson Patel, mm-hmm. Aksha Patel. Yeah. Um Haladik Pandya, Surya Kumar Yadav down at what's that six and then then Jadeja. Mm. Uh how many of them are going to play and how many of them are going to bat in those positions in a in a World Cup match? Um that's that's what I sort of wondered when I when I was looking at this. And I, I don't know if you feel the same or whether you think that, that this is just a complete free hit and that Rohit and Kohli being rested mm. makes sense from a mental workload yeah. perspective. But I, I I did think that it was interesting, the the team that they played and uh, the, the way they've used players. So I think it was just more of an attempt to give some of the people who are very good bats or would be potentially very good bats if they had more time. A bit more time up the order. So, I think in the first ODA, we saw Shardul being promoted. Second ODA, we saw Akshar being promoted. But then that loss sort of shook them a little. Right? So, I think in their own mind, just like what you said about Shami, they have a good idea what Kohli and Rohit bring to the eleven. To a large extent, they want Surya Kumar Yadav to sort of uh, establish himself there. Probably he has, but you know, give him the chance to re-establish himself because he's had a fallow series suddenly in between. So mm-hmm. then you have the likes of Sanju Samson, who you would not try out if Kohli and Rohit both were to be in the eleven. Because I know he's a keeper, but you want to give Ishan Kishan that much rope. He's made himself undroppable, frankly, Ishan Kishan. Right? So you can't really drop him. Then comes the question of how do you fit in these other players you want to try out? How do you give these other people? more balls, more time in the middle. Then you you decide to rest the big two. And it is against most common convention. And at the cost of even calling your West Indies 11, your opposition not really, really much of a challenge. I mean, the results in the end proved that they, they took one game almost off and West Indies hit back and they understood you can't take them lightly and look at what happened in the third ODI. So, well, yeah. In theory, they thought in their own mind they had the result more or less soon up, so they could really experiment a lot. Because these questions have been asked of Dravid, and he sort of responded, "This is our last chance potentially to try out some of our players we have in mind, right?" So for them, it is still a chance to simply try out new people and not be worried about the result. I think if you ask him in an interview outright, he'll say we don't care about the result, but in the dressing room, he'll say, "Don't you go out there and lose this game, right?" Something like this. So come back, coming back to the point, I think they're just they're just trying to try out as many people, mainly from the batting perspective. You also have Mukesh Kumar, 
whom I didn't think would be picked, let alone play all three formats. Right? I thought he's still maybe potentially a few months away from selection, but you see, they are trying to find out a new Bhuvi, if possible. Bhuvi is potentially very close to the exit rather than mm-hmm. right, and he's still injury prone highly. Umran Malik definitely needs more game time. He's not a definite starter in spite of his pace. Give him more game time. Kuldeep Chahal, you see, both might not make the squad of the World Cup. Right now, Kuldeep is far ahead of Chahal. Right? But you would be tempted to retain both because Jadeja is always a starter for you, right? And you would want to pick another guy who can bowl some decent offspin. The problem with the Indian top order is that Gil, Kishan, uh, Kohli, Rohit, none of these guys bowl, right? These are all starters, more or less. Mm-hmm. Therein lies yeah. the problem, right? In a subcontinent condition, you want off-spinning all-rounders. So th- there comes your chances for Deepak Huda, people like that. So I think they are trying to sort of finalize their 11, finalize their squad, not the 11. And therein comes all of these experimentations, promotion of batsmen suddenly up the order where you don't see them. I think for the Indian management, they're almost playing at home, given the conditions. And they can actually play yeah. the condition they have in mind, or the people they have in mind. That- yeah, so, so that, with all that in mind, mm. I mean, I, I, I can't help but look at these these ODIs with, with the World Cup in mind because that's the point of these matches, right. isn't it? It's right. to, to to work out who who plays where. So, so when the World Cup does come round, are, are we saying that it will be Rohit Sharma and Shubman Gill opening with Kohli at three, mm-hmm. and then who Surya at four? Surya at four, four. I mean, they've been trying him at six, haven't they? So, mm. so he, you think he will go back up to four? Yeah. And then what? Ish, Ishan Kishan with the gloves at five. And if Rahul is fit, I think I still see him come back. But Sanju okay. Samson, Sanju Samson's done enough to be given a slightly longer run right now. I think he's one of those people who's been unlucky. He's played a bunch of ODIs, only teen number of ODIs in like seven, eight years, right? So, and not all of it is down to his performances. Some of it is. So. I think they want to try and see if he can still be given a reasonable run. Kishan has made sure you can't drop him now. Right? This is the nice thing. I mean, there is the shadow of a certain punt lurking. But he's far away. As far as the World Cup is concerned, he won't be there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Kishan has made himself undroppable. That's fantastic to see. And Rahul himself is, as far as this management is concerned, a, a very much tried and tested player. And they won't do without him if they have the option. If he's continued... Continuing to be injured, they don't have a choice. Well, that brings me to the quick point. There's also Shreyas Iyer to consider, remember? Well, I mean, th- this is... Yeah, 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 no. I mean, like, Shreyas Iyer, he's out injured at the moment, isn't he? Mm. So, it's it, obviously not available for this. But then I start wondering... Because in this series, the, again, with the World Cup in mind, I think India have tried to play... Uh, let's broadly call it an English style of ODI cricket. Mm. Um, I, I know that that's, that's a simplification and Eng- mm. England didn't invent getting 350, but um, they, they did for four years leading up to the last world cup, right. Play a brand that other people were, were not doing. And then since the 2019 world cup, we've seen more teams move to a, I, I guess a more active, more progressive batting lineup. And I think India have definitely decided in this series, mm. that's what they're going to try and do. Is that something that Rohit and KL and Kohli to some extent and Shreyas Iyer maybe, if if they decide to go with him, is that something that that they can do as well as the guys that have been picked for this West Indies series? I, I think I think it's a really, I think that's what I I think I was getting at when I, when I asked hmm. 
do, do you not want to play the the top six or top seven the, as close to that as the World Cup to see how roles work? Do we not want to see Coley go out and bat first and hmm. regularly be the guy that takes India to 350? And I, I, I think he's certainly got that in his locker, particularly in this format. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I kind of, if I was, if I think if I was an India fan, I, I would want to see, I would want to see proof that Rohit and Kohli in a team are, are going to regularly produce 350. And I'm not sure we got that. That's that's the the one criticism. I think India played well and destroyed mm. the West Indies in two of those matches. To be to be brutally honest, mm-hmm. um, and the, the pitch was the pitch in the in the in the one in between. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say that I think there's a few teams in in India's boat, maybe not knowing the the top six for their for their World Cup campaign and and the the exact tactics they'll use. Hmm. Um, but I, I was interested from that angle for this series, if, if not necessarily the actual matches that took place, um, right. which weren't always thrilling. <laughs> no, no, it, it was one-sided weirdly, all three, one way or the other. Look, for me, um, yeah, you have a good point, but I think they feel um, they know what Rohit and uh, Kohli bring. And it might also be an attempt to get these two to get a little bit of thoughts going. I mean... Look at how well these youngsters are playing. I have, I have to now mm-hmm. make you know my spot count. And between that, I think Australia tour India for a ODI series, if I'm not wrong. And then there is the Asia Cup. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're they have right. some ODIs yeah. against uh, Ireland. So yeah, they're coming up, aren't they? Because yeah. Bumrah is going to be the captain. Yeah. Precisely. So between these three, I have a feeling they are comfortable knowing the number of ODIs they have left, and probably half of those will be given. Even more, probably more than half will be given the top seven and the bowling attack first yep. choice, more or less. Right? Okay. So, for them, this is still outside their their playground. This is well outside. It's knowing that they're they are going into that that uh, phase. There are there's still injuries to consider and maybe Rohit and um, Kohli might be given more breaks than normal from before considering where they are from their career perspective and well, Rohit, I mean, between the two of us, I even expect he might stop playing one or two formats at the end of this ODI World Cup. I don't know if you think the same, but yeah. Uh, look, I wouldn't be stunned. Um, he's he's not a young man and... Not uh, a sweat man. Is, he, yeah, he's he's got like... Is it a recurring hamstring problem that he yes. has as well? And Back issues, knee. Yeah. Mm. Like he's all, all the batter's injuries, basically. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and he'll he'll always have a busy schedule. And yeah, I mean, he's such a good player, particularly now in Test cricket and and so on. That that you'd, you'd imagine there's years left in the tank for him. But he will always have a busy schedule because he's he's going to be playing in the IPL. Mm. And um, if he if he just played the IPL and Tests, uh, that would still be that would still be a lot of cricket for somebody of his age. I would say that's the way I see him going. I would say he'll give up ODI cricket first. At the end of this World yeah. Cup. And then I see him sort of deciding whether he'll play T20s, but also continue to play IPL quietly. And then sort of preserve his... I think you see like this guy wants to make a legacy for himself as a test captain of India. You really yeah. saw the anguish when they missed the World Test Championship final and so on. So he actually thinks that this is the real deal and he wants to get there. So let's see. Let's see if that's something uh, he can do. And but for Kohli, look, this is the this is a true modern great for me, and he doesn't have much left to prove, except I think he'll want to at least win one trophy. 
as a player yeah yeah he couldn't do it as a um as a skipper but of course he's won the 2011 world cup he's won also at t20 world cup but then not later in his career not for the last 10 years right he want to change that so that's all he has to look forward to and i'm not really surprised if kohli completely takes himself out of the picture after the world cup from all of limited overs cricket maybe he'll play test match cricket for one more year but your thoughts um i think he'll carry on i don't, i think i i i think I think he, he, there's there's an element of the James Anderson there yeah. uh in the in the in a way oh the fitness the uh, drive yes yes yeah when you've and also when you've got a player that that is that good and is proven to be that good sometimes when they play badly mm. we shouldn't be the ones saying they're they're bad now <laughs> it should be them that decides that they're 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 the one they know so so much about their game right that they get to be the ones that say yeah i can't do this anymore and um and and make that call themselves so i i don't know i mean i i think it's more likely with rohit that we'll see a a a, a scaling back mm. than than with kohli interesting let's see if that comes to pass but why i'm asking you all of this is we read a report that both rahul and ayer are not yet ready for the asia cup that that for me is a blow for both of them i would think oh i i, I yeah i mean i think i think definitely um and i think definitely with the the backdrop of other players in the team mm-hmm. putting in putting in performances um i i, I mean I, i i think maybe i i would say maybe less of a blow for kl rahul mm-hmm. who i think is probably established in that odi team for the world cup right um shreyas iyer was probably battling with some of the guys that that have played well in this series and and you know hopefully from an india point of view will play well in the asia cup right and i expect that this will probably mean if if any of them play well mm-hmm. that he will slip back to being a reserve batter or or maybe not even being in the squad for for the world cup i don't, I don't know if that's accurate but that that's my take on on that from from afar no i think you may have gotten it right look um the way ishan kishan has played you won't want to drop him right the way sanju samson is putting his foot forward there's more or less guaranteed he'll get a few more games uh, between the asia cup ireland series and so on he might still make that case uh, against his wishes between him and ayer i don't see too much of a, a difference when playing in south subcontinent conditions so he might just pay ayer to the post there because ayer is missing out on chances to play and he might be worried there that you are right you might be right rightly worried let's see how that how that goes so but let's wrap it up by quickly chatting about the first t20i surprised west indies beat india or par par for course um a, a little bit i mean the, there's t20 cricket is is a funny one in general isn't it because it's so random in a way uh that that you can have i mean th- th- very regularly very good teams get mm. beaten by teams that I, i think we would say are, are not good mm. um so so it happens um uh, i think you know with respect to the west indies winning i i think if there is a format that there's still a force in it basically is t20 cricket especially when when they get their their frontline 11 out mm. and you actually see that you actually see that in in terms of who who gets picked up 
for tournaments like the IPL, like there's still there's still a currency in in West Indies players in, in, in that tournament, and I think there's still recognition that a lot of them are very very good cricketers, and um, some of them, you know, it, it, there's there's a few of the older guard have, have sort of shuffled out the door now, haven't they? Right, and made room in a way for some of the the newer players to come through. And if you've been following T20 cricket broadly over the last year mm-hmm. um you'll know how good a player like nicholas puran is for oh, example yeah. and if you play a t20 cricket match against the team with nicholas puran in um things can go wrong and i know in this particular game he gets is it 40 off 30 balls it's not a, a scintillating innings but in the context of the match it's it's quite important and rothman powell another guy who he has a partnership with and mm. gets 48 himself someone we've seen cause carnage mm. in, in t20 cricket um maybe not so much recently but certainly in the past and so i think um it, it is always a possibility that that the west indies can beat a, a very good team um in in t20 cricket and i think you'd probably say as well if you look at the the india team that it's not their frontline 11 um the the uh, the the there's Probably a handful of guys in there that in a, in a World Cup situation wouldn't be in the wouldn't be in the team. Hmm. Um, so there's that to factor in as well. Uh, so I'm not I'm not massively surprised that that this happened. Um, I think I think the West Indies can still play that format, and um, I think they've still got some really 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 good players. I think given that pitch, how it behaved, 150 was not a bad score, and I think the real difference. Was the skipper Roman Powell who played uh, at a strike rate of 150, and then Brandon yeah. King them gave them a bit of a start. Nikki Puran sort of held it together, and then 150 is a pretty decent score. I think they were about 10, 15 runs above par, and that's exactly how it went down. Because for India, look, Tilak Verma played out of his skin. He had a point to prove. He was on debut. He he hit first ball for six. And wonderful, wonderful innings. So, but the game was sort of set up. For Hardik Pandya and Samson to go at 8.2, 8.3 and over and wrap the game up, they couldn't get, get that done. Because you see both both of these players, Pandya, Samson and also Yadav, Surikumar Yadav, they couldn't go better than Ranabal. Right? And then it took some plucky hitting from Aksar Patel, Arshdeep Singh. You know, they just kept coming. They just kept trying. But then it was not like you go in and start hitting. It was not that sort of a pitch at all. So that way also, I think Akil Hussain started the game wonderfully for West Indies with the ball, and of course Jason Holder showed his his all of his all of his nows and experience there, and he held the middle middle overs quiet. He dismissed Hardik Pandya as well. So for me, I think West Indies came out deserved winners. India in this tour don't have much more firepower. What they'll count on is a much more friendly pitch, and what you said absolutely right at the end of the day. Look at what. Nikki Puran did when he played for uh, you know Mumbai Indians New York M I N Y. How do you how do you call that team again? Mini. I think people call them My New York, don't they? I'm I, I'm not My sure. Team. I mean, I think the yeah, I th- they were calling them My Cape Town. So I, I think that it's was the just same a joke. That was just a joke. Oh, it, well, on its face. it's okay. I mean, I I think um, I, the, uh, my take on that mm. on the whole naming thing is that. Um, Mumbai Indians should come up with better branding for their overseas franchises 
than mi new york or mi cape town or mi whatever um but he was good for them is the is the is the uh is the is the cricketing factor the matter mm. uh particularly in that final where he was uh a cut above the 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 rest of the the players i think right if you if you see in that finals not many teams get away with chasing more than 180 in the final of a tournament i mean i know it happened but it was in ipl but it was a shortened game right so in this case probably seattle orcas thought they had done enough to set up 183 yeah. but then also the way they started with steven taylor and shyam jangir you weren't sure if yeah i mean by the time jangir was out already the score had run away to 15 runs an over or 12 runs an over and so on because Puran had only one gear, sixth gear, thirteen sixes, strike rate of two fifty over fifty five balls in a T twenty innings. Potentially, this might be the greatest ever batting innings in T twenty. We'll never know. I mean, it's it is pretty good, isn't it? In a final, <laughs> chasing. It's, that's why. Yeah, yeah. He got he got what's what is that? More than two thirds of the runs, nearly seventy yeah. percent of the runs. Yeah, that's I mean, this is Bannerman ridiculous. territory. <laughs> yeah. This is Bannerman territory, right? Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, it was it was impressive. Now I didn't see this. I didn't see any of this tournament, frankly. Were you able to catch any of the um, any of the MLC uh, at all? I caught a little bit after I got back from a couple of cricket matches that I played in and and watched it late at night. Um, hmm. It's an interesting one, I think the the major league cricket. Uh, it's it's obviously the the quality of the overseas players is preposterous. Mm. Uh, some some of the guys playing in this in this in this match and yeah. in the tournament as a whole uh, walk into any franchise tournament first eleven that you can you can think of, and then at the the same time you have, I mean let's let, let's not beat around the bush, uh, a developing nation in the in the USA. Um, their their domestic scene is not really anywhere close to right. producing players that that. Can match players like Puran, mm. so it was, you had these weird mismatches within within the contest. It wasn't dissimilar to the IL twenty mm-hmm. um, that we saw earlier earlier in the year, mm-hmm. uh, except uh, yeah, I mean, except that it was in America and it had a little bit of glitz and glam like that. From mm. what I understand, it went went over quite well. I, I mean, I, I think it's it's basically a startup, isn't it? The yeah. idea behind it is that there is. There is some dormant television-watching cricket fan base in the US, and that they think the people who run this tournament that they can activate that and that they can make some money from it. I mean, it, it is a money-making endeavor. Yeah, of uh, course. After all, for sure. Uh, and I think I think that actually this season, I I doubt it made much money. I, I expect it lost quite a lot of money, but I think it it provided a decent proof of concept. That you can attract players to the USA, that you can have, you can produce decent cricket pitches, that you can broadcast it properly, that the players will care, and that you can produce great matches and great moments. And I think beyond that, I believe domestically it got picked up by one of the cable channels and was shown on t on one of the sports networks. It wasn't just on Willow, which is the the internet streaming service there. Yeah. So, um. Maybe, fingers mm-hmm. crossed, from a, a global cricket point of view, maybe it did cut through a little bit. And um, I, I think, 
I, I imagine we'll we'll see some future iterations of it. I don't think it'll be a one and done bust type situation. It is. It seems to go quite well. Fair enough. So yeah, what we really saw is one. It outdid itself when it came to expectations of first of all players that played in it, the results that it produced, the attraction of the audiences, and more importantly, just from purely from a cricketing perspective, I think they they put out a good product, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you would think they give themselves definitely one or two more seasons. And I don't know if it's here to stay for a longer term like the BBL or IPL. We don't know that. But it's definitely started in the right way. So that's good news overall. And look, I'm happy to see everybody play cricket. And it's pretty much understood. Some countries are never going to target the longer format. One is in America, you're talking of audiences. the setup and so on but even countries like netherlands i really don't ever see them playing the longest format right so from that perspective i i don't know if you agree with me but those are my thoughts about netherlands we'll we'll get to that shortly but yeah i think it's good that more countries play cricket and cricket becomes more of a global game i i think you're about right yeah um i i, I can see countries like the netherlands even the usa to be honest hmm. playing some token long form cricket at some point in the future mm. maybe not dissimilar to Ireland now yeah. uh where they play two or three matches a year mm. almost to prove that they can rather than with any sort of big vision realistically in mind mm-hmm. uh but yeah i i think i think certainly the shorter format yeah. lends itself to development and lends itself to the participation of a, a a much wider group of cricketing countries uh than than the longer matches fair enough now well the dates for two of the world cup games of pakistan have been changed in consultation we are told with the pcb does it surprise you that there are still some tweaks going on to the schedule I mean literally 3 months out from the tournament um not really uh <laughs> to, to be honest um the, it's it's a very cricket move isn't it to <laughs> to to to, to, to be in a situation where months from the showpiece event nobody knows mm. where and when mm. the teams will be playing each other um and it it's something that cricket really should look at more broadly it happens a lot even for landmark test match series um so to to take england v india coming up in in january and february i think it's january and february um later this year in the, in the uk nobody knows which cut uh, channel that's going to be broadcast on <laughs> so n- nobody can market it um yeah. there's no the ashes finished nobody could say on sky sports at the end of the ashes make sure you tune in to watch baseball v india uh because if it's anything like the ashes that will be a, a a great watch because nobody knows which channel it will be on i mean the sky don't know whether they'll have it it could be on bt sport bt sport obviously they can't market it at the moment or tnt or whatever they're called mm. um which is bizarre and i think this is sort of just another example of cricket's general disorganization mm. in in this area um i i i can see i can see why it's happened and i i think as my understanding is that some of the boards weren't happy with the schedule because they felt that they had some very very quick turnarounds where they had to travel a very long way between matches and then sort of fallow periods where they didn't play for 6 6 6 days mm. which is 
a reasonably long time in in the context yeah. of a, a World Cup. There's a lot of downtime, absolutely. And so I I think some of the teams were uh, a little bit miffed that mm. the schedule they had been given was the schedule that they got. What I don't really understand is why that what did that discussion didn't happen in private six months ago, uh-huh. and, um, uh-huh. and then and then I don't know, at the beginning of the year or the end of the IPL or or whenever it is six months of the tournament the schedule's released and we can all put the things in our calendar and if you want to go to one of the matches you can book it in. I mean, like let's not even talk about the cricket the ticketing fiasco and uh-huh. how they're they're forcing people to to have paper tickets. There's no digital ticket offering yeah um, you, you literally have to go and pick up your physical tickets which is baffling in the in the in 2023 there's no other sport in the world that i think would mm. have run a run a world cup in that way uh, um that surprises me but, for a yeah. country that is actually sort of gaga or digital things including payment yeah digital and so on right yeah yeah so it's a bit surprising i mean the the reasoning, the official reasoning is that it, it makes forgery more likely. But I mean, anyone who's ever been to a, a sporting event in Europe or the US knows that the de facto way to pick up your ticket now is is through a phone app, yeah. um, which is very unforgeable, actually. It's, it's mm. quite difficult to... to um, generate a qr code on the on the uh, on the gate and sneak your way in right um, it, i would have thought it would be much much easier to photocopy or scan a, a physical ticket and produce a decent replica but uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't think they can understand they were not even themselves yeah. with that reasoning but well <laughs> i don't know if all the um stadiums that are involved will have the technology already in place to scan at the entrances to grounds and so on uh, but yeah my argument there my argument there what an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade all your facilities there's a world cup it's it's basically a free money <laughs> exactly no i even thought all that delay was because they were doing all this behind the scenes normally you would expect the um, itinerary to go out six months a year ahead of time so that people who cover it fan groups can travel together and so on they can plan it right none of this was done so that's when i thought all of this is being held back because they're actually going up a couple of tiers with the stadiums with the arrangements with the seating yeah. and so on so that's already one of the things right people are going to look forward to very very carefully because the indian stadium experience is not the same as a european one or an australian one or a south african yeah. one even we are said we are told right so this is going to be interesting all right so let's see if uh, they have any one more topics fo- to throw out Go on. Well, one final point on that. There, there was a conspiracy theory that went around on the internet. I don't know if you saw this about why they changed the date of the Pakistan v India match from I the fifteenth to the fourteenth. I heard um, it was upon the, um, the. I'll tell you what I heard. Right, what I read. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was by the uh, recommendation of the uh, police department or somebody, the security forces, because I think there was a festival on the that day or one uh, fifteenth or something. They wanted to do it one day before. Isn't that now, the original? Now, I, I think that's the real reason that the conspiracy ah. theory was 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 much more interesting. Go I th- it's got something to do with Babar Azam's birthday, which is the 15th of October. Now, he's played a number of matches on the 15th of October for Pakistan, mm. and Pakistan have never lost when Babar Azam has played on his birthday. And so the, the conspiracy theory was that India was scared that the the luck was against them if they played a game on Babar Azam's birthday, so they wanted to change the date so that they didn't they didn't fall for that curse. Mm. 
i sense i smell a neighborly plot in the story but it's all right it could be <laughs> we people who come from indian subcontinent are terribly terribly how shall i say um, we believe in charts we are very orthodox in certain ways but also we are very uh, we believe in auspicious things uh, yeah flight of birds and all that but yeah it could be i'm not surprised if that's the real reason not at all believe you me but uh, i mean what they put out is that there is some festivity around the corner and the police are not happy with how much support they can provide that's at least the air quotes real reason for now but yeah. fantastic all i'm saying is i hope they don't show throw up too many more such last minute uh, surprises not everybody involved will be happy i'm sure yeah no i agree all right india's manoj tiwari has retired from all forms of cricket a champion batsman i thought i mean he would have been a perfect fit in a one day team and uh, i mean i think his last one day innings his last international innings was 100 that's not a bad way to go out yeah no no i mean frankly he set up a alternate career in politics where i mean he made some time out of that to play cricket this year at the first class level so not a bad way to go not a bad time of the uh, not a bad time of his life or uh, you know of his career to say i've done I mean, 19 years is a long time and he's done quite a lot of good for himself for the teams he's played so we wish him all the best going forward manoj tiwari and i suspect this might not be the last time we hear his name if you know what i mean yeah no i i i do i do get you I mean, it's not a nice life it's not a bad life to be honest is it if you can um, take time out of your main job mm. to play a little bit of first class cricket because it's your passion precisely um <laughs> most of us are lucky if we get a game in at the weekend <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely fair enough um now some more news some more subcontinent news misbah hafiz and inzamam are now a part of a cricket technical committee from pakistan which will among other things also review the coach appointments we hear multiple things sometimes contradictory sometimes that go along together much like most of the announcements that come out of certain part of the world so in this case at least we hear misbah will head the committee hafiz and inzamam will be a part of the committee then we hear they are all equally part of the committee and some people said the coaching appointments are final some people said no nothing is final nobody said it's all final so it's it's going to be very interesting your thoughts on this misbah was very vocal against appointment of somebody else from outside as the coach of pakistan now there's a director of cricket who's from outside there's a coach who's from outside um i i mean i, I to be honest i find Pakistani um administration to be one of the most entertaining parts mm. of the sport. Now it's a real I think you got to be a real cricket purist to to get into it and to know the ins and the outs. Um but I like this move. Uh, from the 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 point of view of entertainment and what it might lead to, I like this move. I I think it will be I think in the long run it will deliver a funny storyline and I I I I like that this is the setup to the the punchline that will be coming around the corner. Mm. Misbah after all is the man who who was actually himself responsible for appointing the Pakistan coach at one point and he appointed uh, himself. 
yeah, but he also he had criteria, didn't he? Which was uh, must have coaching experience for multiple years in charge of a major nation. I think that was his criteria. Pointing himself, mm. uh, a man with no coaching experience whatsoever, um, let alone of a major nation. So uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing what they come up with. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have ex leaders in in advisory positions it's worked well for england i think in the Mm -hmm. past with uh andrew strauss notably providing input and and they don't necessarily always follow it england uh, or they didn't necessarily follow his most recent recommendations but Mm -hmm. having somebody think about these these issues and present ideas isn't a problem i I think where it might be a problem in in this case is that they they might suggest something that isn't too smart and uh it, it might be followed through on Nah, that's the that's the deal with at least how the think tanks work or the leadership, the management behind the scenes as far as Pakistan is concerned work. It's always a merry-go-round. You're off the carousel for a short while, then you're back on it. It's the same people in different roles. I've I've heard this before. I've seen this before. Deja vu and all that. I sense a change around the corner. However, I think uh, Mickey Arthur retains a bit of respect from Ms. Ba. And he's the um, sort of cricket director, isn't he? So, and Grant Bradburn has just delivered a 2-0 result. That's that's quite tough to shake off, no matter who and you Pakistan, are. And Pakistan played really well. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. They, they played the way they should have been playing for the last two years. No, 100%. So, I thought they took a leaf straight out of uh, baseball and they decided to play attacking cricket. And that's fantastic. And if... It doesn't matter who's really at the helm. This thought process is what I really like. And to see people like Sean Masood, see, you know, they're all capable of playing one-day cricket, even T20 cricket, most of these players in the eleven. But the thought process to say, I'm going to own the game, I'm going to sort of put my foot forward, the way they batted on the very first test, the first innings, where they were actually under pressure. You know, if one more wicket there could have really determined the series almost. But there you go. So they, their belief worked out. In spite of not a lot of big runs from Babar, they got significant victories in both the tests. So I'm just thinking, right, if you go back, um, they have the right person at the job right now. And uh, I don't know what the advisory committee has to say, the technical committee and so on. But let's see. I'm very curious on that. Now, last couple of stories, frankly. One has just broken out. Even as we started broadcasting, this has come up. So... A couple of episodes ago, we had speculated there have been no extensions to the coaching staff of RCB. And it has come through by the looks of it because basically Andy Flower might be the person who might de-seat Mike Hessen. Because August 31st was Hessen's last day as the coach of RCB and we hear his contract was not renewed. Neither was Sanjay Bangar and all of those people, right? The entire coaching staff. So, Potentially, it might be Andy Flower stepping into the role of uh, director of operations. Thoughts? Um, I think it's a sort of an interesting one. I mean, like, I know Andy Flower's got a lot of respect in the game, and I, I mean, I don't mean that in in terms of you know he's a name that people recognise. I mean that people within the game, when you talk to them, mm. really rate Andy Flower and what he has to say and how he organises teams. Mm. Um. I, I do wonder with him whether whether some of that respect is earned from a from the, from a a more traditional perspective, and and whether he is he is one of those coaches that 
maybe isn't the most progressive uh if if that makes sense i i, I think if i if i if i were running an ipl franchise right now mm. i would be looking for somebody i, mean, I don't want to say younger because that makes it sound a bit ageist but mm. somebody from the generation of coaches that thinks a little bit more about strike rate and analytics in a way that i don't know for sure that andy flower does as as strong a leader as he may be and as well respected as he may be within the game on the other hand you know and uh, there there are always two sides to this aren't there yeah there are a few quite big egos in that rcb dressing room and maybe bringing in somebody with the gravitas of andy flower to call the shots is is what they need um i don't think rcb are far away from being a really good team Uh, oh they never are They yeah, just don't get maybe, any lizards. Yeah, maybe somebody who can galvanize them and and be more of a a motivator um mm. is what they need rather than rather than a, an analytical coach. Although I would tend towards having somebody who who is of that nature. I I get the feeling they might actually hire an assistant coach or a batting coach who's more air quotes younger, more um or whatever you said right somebody who's more into yeah. analytics more into was yeah it's interesting i mean if you wanted to have a look through their coaching staff at the moment i think trent woodhill's attached isn't he and i, I wonder i don't know if he's somebody be... yeah well if he isn't retained he's the sort of player who sort of player um sort of Coaching. person who yeah. is okay. yeah who is regarded as a little bit more modern so hmm. you know maybe who knows whether they will stick around like this could be a complete clear out um but if if he does maybe maybe he someone like him could be the sidekick if you like i mean frankly i thought they've been having a clear out once a year more or less and got mm. nowhere i was hoping hessen might be the guy and banger who's who's the assistant coach and has a lot of experience might be the right sort of people to take them to the next step but okay i mean another go another merry go round by the way nothing is confirmed huh? it's all it's all sort of in the air while we wait so the last news is tamim ikbal well he's stepped down as the bangladesh odi captain we hear again news breaking only a couple of hours ago and he's out of the asia cup because without uh, with a back injury uh, I, this was inevitable right i mean i i think the guy tried to retire and then the the prime minister of bangladesh rang him up and convinced him not to or um, as one of our guests so fine maybe threatened to throw him off a helicopter if he did it i mean we don't know <laughs> yeah well that's your guess word not mine fair enough uh, but cer- certainly said something convincing um to 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 tam him um i i think it's i think it's fair enough from his perspective he said he'll hang around and he'll commit to the team being captain and i i think the, there's another element to this if if you're the captain of a smaller nation you're more than the captain you end up yeah being the coach and organizing things and you've got to you you've got to invest in the players to get them to want to play for you and to to actually turn up themselves it's not bangladesh aren't a team where it's a given that somebody like shakib al hasan will definitely play hmm. um part of your job as captain is to to nudge players like that into the definitely play camp and to to get them to play all the time <laughs> hmm. um that's hard work that's really hard work that's that's yeah. not just deciding who bowls when on the field or you know working with the analyst to remember who does what or even doing the press conferences after the game it's mm. it's a full-time ambassadorial role and uh i think if you're if you're someone like tamim who's maybe thinking that then not in it for the long haul and that they want to scale back themselves 
captaincy isn't isn't the job for you. So I think it's a good decision from him. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. I also think, you know, I mean, he should have been sacked as the captain the moment he returned as a player. <laughs> but those are my thoughts, right? I mean, you don't you don't pull a stunt like I want to retire. I don't want to retire. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a bit more old school potentially. Some things you do once and you do it correctly, and then you walk away. You don't you don't uh, revisit it again and again. But I mean, we know in in Asia and South Asia specifically, players tend to come and go. People like Afridi may have retired and retired quite a few times and so on. But all right, that's okay. Now, those are all the news topics we wanted to discuss. But you know, now that I have you here, I would like to know more about Jack the Lad. What <laughs> what makes Jack tick? What brought you to cricket? What's keeping you here? Um, so I, 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 I think probably familial connections is what brought me to cricket. So my granddad was a, a good player back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and we're, we're talking back in the day. Obviously, I'm 31, so all right. My, my, my granddad isn't alive anymore, but he'd been well into his 90s now. Uh, he he played he played cricket with Dennis Compton. Wow, way way back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 London in the London in a London representative top side, so he had the bug and um, played and introduced my dad and my dad's brothers and so it it, it came from there basically it was wow. it was family that brought me to the game. There's no I can't I can't I can't give you a memory that made me think yep that cricket's for me. Um, I I think I was probably playing before I ever watched any cricket. I think it was it was one of those things playing in the back garden with Granddad um, when I was when I was a boy. Um, so that's that's what brought me to the game. And then what what's kept me around? Um, I think I think the stories and the the way the game develops and changes and is a constant contradiction between innovation and conservatism and uh, mm. how it. it it provides um, an interesting window into into sort of humanity in general, but also don't get me wrong here. Like I, 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 I'm not equating sport to anything more than it should be. <laughs> well, no, that's what I mean. I mean, like I, it provides an interesting window into into humanity and those contradictions, whilst at the same time being something fun and enjoyable that those things can be expressed through. You can have an argument about whether um, pressure is a real thing Mm. um, through the, the content of the medium of cricket or, or whether you should be conservative or whether you should be progressive through the medium of cricket. And nobody's going to get hurt because ultimately it is just a game. Um, And um, I I suppose on top of that, the the actual playing of the game Mm. throws up these amazing battles, doesn't it? In a, in a way that, other sports don't the the battle between bowler and batter is a brilliant and and um, maybe not completely unique but mm. but almost unique aspect to the sport um that that two players can can go at each other for you know a period of six balls or 12 balls or you know however long it is in a test match and um we can get a measure of of who can stand up to that and who, and who can be the best. And I think that's, it, it throws up these fascinating stories all the time. And I, I think there's another element to it as, as well in, in terms of global sport in the cricket hmm. um, feels still slightly undeveloped in, in a way, uh, particularly, I mean, it's speaking from an English point of view here, if you compare it to football, hmm. 
the way the media cycle works with that and the hype around it and um the money and the the investment and so on sometimes that can be quite alienating for for myself whereas with cricket i think the stories are a slightly more human and, and I maybe identify with them a little bit better. So that's what, what keeps me around. And um, I've also averaged 40 with the bat for the last three seasons. Perfect. So that's, um, that, that's not, not too bad too. Not at all. I mean, no matter where you play, that's fantastic. And what keeps you talking about it? All of these things, but also to put your thoughts out there. Well, I don't, I mean, that's a really interesting one. So the cricket podcast, we started that in 2019 as a you know a, a pure hobby to be honest um it was myself max and ross yeah they pretty much wanting to get together and have a couple of beers once a week and talk cricket and we thought um slightly arrogantly that the world would want to hear that i think and so we recorded it and we put it out there and um now 428 episodes later we're we're still going wow um i think i think what keeps us interested what one is for all the reasons i just talked about like i think it's a brilliant game and it's it's fascinating to involve yourself in it and to to get invested and to follow these plots as they they are they unfold it, it, you know it's it's extremely rewarding mm-hmm. um but also i think the the interaction with the the audience of the people we've met along the way has been enriching as well i mean like i wouldn't be here talking to you now without the the podcast for example and i think absolutely I think that's a big part of it, and um, I think that's why you know it, it, it basically still is a, a hobby. I think that's why most people still doing this sort of thing mm-hmm. are invested, is because they enjoy it and they they like the things it throws up, and you know they like creating content for uh, for from a uh, uh, you know if you were a marketing analyst, I think that's probably what you'd say, you'd say it was, um, hmm. and that's that's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, I enjoy listening to your podcast and I did not know you had so many episodes out there. That's quite something. So well done and a lot more power to you and the rest of you who do it and long may it continue. Thanks. Yeah. Been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Same here. Love talking to you. I hadn't seen how much time we had spent and now I'm a bit worried if I kept you for too long, but all right. Thank you very much for your time and would love to have you sometime again time and you know, sure. things permitting we also wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from have a nice rest of the evening jack i'll catch up with you shortly bye-bye bye-bye this is the armchair cricket podcast